Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello and welcome to episode number 55 of the Familypreneur podcast. When I worked at Facebook, we were assigned clients on a quarterly basis because all of the research identifies that it's the best way to ensure profitability, and it's the same reason why I plan all of my marketing efforts in three-month batches. It's a new year and a new quarter, so if you want to spend less time worrying about marketing your business and more time working in your zone of genius or just playing with your kids, then you need my quarterly campaign planner. This is like three resources in one, or something I should be charging for, but I'm not. It is completely free. So go grab your copy today at megbrunson.com slash plan. Now let's introduce today's guest. Today's guest is driven by connecting people to products, services, and experiences that is the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel in their darkest hour. And so she teaches women the financial mindset, marketing, and branding strategies that help women business owners to actually get what it is that they sell into consumers' hands. She runs a six-figure business and has opened a co-working center in Mesa, Arizona called She Works Here, where she teaches workshops and provides resources and space for women to succeed in business. Let's give a warm welcome today to Beth Griffith. Hey, Beth. Thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I feel like I wanted to have you on the show for a while. Sometimes I feel like it's the people closest to me that take the longest time to actually record. Oh, totally makes sense. I've had that happen many, many times too. So I get it. I get it. I'm just glad to be here. Yes. And I can't wait to jump in and discuss your approach to money mindset. So what, yeah. what makes it different from other approaches? Yeah. So my approach to money mindset, it's extremely cerebral. It's extremely logical. And it's really interesting because, you know, you have the, the money mindset people like Dave Ramsey, for example, who uses extreme logic. And then you have people on the other side who use the, the manifesting the universe kind of an approach. And I kind of bring the, the two together where... I use logic to explain why the universal approach actually does work. Ooh, I like it. Yes, yes. It's a a lot of fun. So I'm really excited to be able to share what I know with you guys. And I think for me personally, up until relatively recently, I've been very logical about things. And then recently, I've shifted slightly into that more woo-woo spiritual approach to things. So I can't wait to dive deeper into how those all come together. Yeah, well, and, and it's really interesting. Uh, one of the things that I do teach about is the different uh, stages of financial mindset. And so 
it's very, very normal for everybody always starts with the very logical approach and then they, they go through different stages. So yeah, it totally makes sense that you would be there for sure. What makes that typical? Like what makes people change? Yeah. So you know how with kids, when you have a baby, we pay attention to what's called the wonder weeks. We pay attention to these developmental spurts of time where you go through something different, something difficult, and then you come out on the other side and you are completely aware and conscious of where you were before that you couldn't see. And it's a developmental leap, right? So that happens with our children and we pay attention to it with children so much. And yet we start to think that that doesn't happen as adults, but it does. So as adults, you actually, there are, you know, different psychologists who have studied adult psychological development and um, they've studied it with religion. They've studied it just psychology with how people interact in relationships. And that does translate into how we interact with money. And so there are certain stages where based on the fact that you have been raised in a society that treats money very black and white, you're going to start with it being a black and white topic. And due to different experiences, you're going to move move forward to different different mindset approaches with money. So it's very normal for sure. So would you say that those mindset shifts are necessary? Like, do you have to go through that shift in order to be successful? You do not. So you can stay in that black and white approach to money and become incredibly successful. As you, you go through these different development stages, certainly you're going to have different approaches to money and you might have an upper hand in certain ways. It's just important to know that just because somebody is at a different stage of financial mindset, it does not mean that they're better off. It does not mean that they're more likely to be successful. It's really their actions. If those actions are in accordance with that stage, that will determine if they're successful or not. Can you give us a general overview of what that transition timeline looks like? Absolutely. Okay. So we begin with the first stage and the first stage is a very literal stage. And this person sees things very black and white logistically. And typically what happens is they experience so much discomfort because they have limited their mindset. They've limited the way that they see money. that It becomes so painful and uncomfortable that they have to change things. And that's when people start to adopt more of a universal approach with money. They typically go into this universal approach with money And the dangerous thing that can happen at that stage is people become irresponsible with their finances because they just trust the universe will take care of everything. And because they are in this place where they just trust, it causes a dissonance, internal dissonance. So if they are not able to take the right actions in that stage, then they they start to move to a stage um, where they start to recognize the power in, in their own head essentially. And so I call this stage the activist. And typically when people come work with me, they're in this activist stage. And the activists, they're ready to start paying attention to tracking their money better than they did in the universal stage. And when they're, they're tracking this money, they're tracking these finances, there can be a lot of pitfalls and money mindset obstacles that come up hardcore for people. And so what we end up doing is typically in this stage, you start to rely on yourself so much that it just hurts. It becomes so painful. And so if you, again, have not taken the right actions in this step, you then are pushed into a step where you start to give and serve 
to other people so much that you just get drained. Okay. And so in that, that next stage, uh, some people, they see a lot of success in that serving and giving stage. And in the serving and giving stage, they go through such a huge transformation, but they lack boundaries. They lack personal boundaries. They lack boundaries with the people in their lives. They lack boundaries with their finances. And so they, they then go implement it even, even harder. They put in hard, hard boundaries and move to the next phase. And in that particular phase, their boundaries are so ironclad that they begin shutting them sh- themselves off from people. They begin shutting themselves off financially. They really begin to isolate themselves. Now, like I said, in every single stage, you can absolutely make uh, great money. You can be incredibly successful at every stage. But at that stage, it can be really emotionally painful for a person just simply because they're isolating themselves in different ways. And then eventually they start to move towards a win-win approach to life. And they actually get to a point where they think that they have all the answers. They think that they, that everybody else just needs to catch up with them. And everybody at, at every stage of life in every single area, we tend to think that we have all of the, the right answers. With finances at this stage, these people think they've got it all figured out. That because they have then put themselves in this situation, they put themselves in this place where it's so difficult because they're looking down on everyone else, they end up having to move to what, what I call the ruler. And the ruler is the person who recognizes all of the gifts and all of the limitations of each of these stages, and they can relate to people at, at any stage. So there's, of course, a lot, a lot to unpack there, but essentially that's a very brief overview of it all. So, and you said people can be successful at any stage. So is it, is it basically just personal, like personality and what works for you? And like you said, what you put into action and how you react in each situation? Yeah, absolutely. And there are certain, uh, certain ways of taking action. If you're somebody who sees things as black and white, awesome. Use those gifts. Okay. So the reason that somebody will move to the next stage is because they're, they're using the gifts, but they're also, those gifts are causing certain limitations. So it is a gift that you can, you know, see that, that the universe would provide for you if that's the approach that you take. However, if that's causing you to be irresponsible with your money, that's going to limit you in huge, huge, huge ways, right? And so simply being aware and tracking your finances in that stage can be something that can make it so that you can start to see success in that stage as opposed to having to spend years of going through development to start to recognize, oh, wait, okay, I can be successful where I am. Now, I always, like, of course, I'm thinking about myself. (laughs) Of course. I'm thinking about myself. Like, where do I fall on this spectrum? And I'm hearing that it's, that there's an element of balance. I feel like it's a word that gets overused and we use it a lot in this podcast, but it's definitely balance. And then I think about my kids and wanting to raise them in a way that, that they're going to be set up for success. Like that's a huge reason why this podcast came to be because I want, and I think every parent would agree, like we want better for our kids. Even if we're good, we still want better for our kids. So how as parents can we impact what we're instilling in our children, either changing the patterns that they already have or just like instilling the right patterns? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So there's uh, two big things that that come up with this. The first being that 
We need to teach our children to be clear on what they want. We need to be clear on what we want for our children. So when I talk to people about what it is that they want for their kids, they have a variety of different answers. So I'd love to hear from you, Meg. What is it mindset-wise that you want for your, your kids when it comes to money? Ooh, I'm supposed to be the one asking the questions here. Um, I, <laughs> the tables have turned. Right. And I'm like, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that. I think, I think I, I want them to be able to manage it smart. I don't want them to be in debt. I feel like that's my biggest pain point as an adult is, you know, waking up one day, which obviously I'm <laughs> waking up one day and being like, whoa, I have a lot of debt, you know, mm-hmm. and it's my credit score. I made some unwise decisions as a college student and wanting to provide differently for my kids. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So one of the things that you said is I don't want debt for my kids. It's really important to know that there's this piece of our brain called the reticulating activator system and the reticulating activator system. It's uh, this piece of tissue at the back of our brain, back at the base of our brain uh, near our spine, at the top of our spinal column. And the job of this reticulating activator system is to filter information. In any given moment, you are presented with two billion pieces of information in any single second. And so the job of this reticulating activator system is to make sure that you are paying attention to the things that matter out of those two billion pieces of information. And so One of the things to know about it, though, is that the reticulating activator system does not recognize the word don't. So when you are saying, I don't want my kids to grow up and have debt, your brain picks it up as, I want my kids to grow up and have debt. And so our language is one of the most important places to begin watching everything that that we're saying. Okay, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, is how do you make that crystal clear for what it is that you actually do want. So you don't want them to wake up one day and have a lot of debt. What is it that you do want for them instead? And I'm sorry, I'm putting you on the spot again. No, you're good. You're good. I feel like this isn't a new concept. Like I've heard that it's, it's reframing all of your thoughts in like a positive way. Right. So not absolutely negative. You say I do want positive. So I think the positive would be that I want the kids. Sorry. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard. That's the thing. That's the thing is we think we know what we want and we don't. I want them to, to have, and then I feel like it's dumb. I feel like I want them to have, I want them to be wealthy. However, that's defined for them to meet all of their needs. Okay. Um, That could be different, you know, for everybody, but I feel like I want them to be comfortable in their wealth. Yes. And to have the skills to manage that wealth so that they, I, I'm trying to avoid negatives. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. To manage that wealth so that they always have money and saving and you know what I mean? Absolutely. Okay. So one of the, the ways that you can do that, and this is what I call the spending spectrum, is to think of the crosshairs. Okay. So on the left side of these crosshairs, we have a penny pincher. And on the right side, we have an overspender. And it's important to evaluate where are your kids personality wise on penny pincher to overspender. The best place for them to be is in the center of that, the dead center of that, where they're willing to live life and live a wealthy life. And they're also paying attention to their finances, right? So that's that part of the crosshairs. Now, vertically, at the top of of these crosshairs, 
we have possibility focus. And at the bottom of the crosshairs, we have limited focus. Now, when we think about people who have a limited focus with their finances, what they're doing is they're kind of negative Nancy's with it all. They don't plan on having enough. They plan on everything going wrong for them. And so they act accordingly. And then on the other side, we have possibility-focused people. These possibility-focused people, they believe everything's going to work out for them. And so then their actions are in accordance with that. We might think, well, uh, you know, we might think that let's just go for the possibility thinking. But possibility-focused entrepreneurs, they tend to be the people who buy tons of courses and never finish them. They are the people who rack up tens of thousands of dollars in debt because they believe that their business is going to work out and they don't have the actual actions in place that make it so that they get the results. They actually get to that wealth. They get to that success. So what we have to do is we, we want to be in the middle of the possibility and the limited focus. We want to bring the attitude and the beliefs and the positivity of the possibility focus along with the habit of the limited focus people. And the limited focus habits, these are tracking money. These are making sure that we, we start to make money before we're spending it. These are the people who they go out and they do a pre-sale on the thing that they're selling before they go and invest tens of thousands of dollars into it. And so it's those habits of the limited focus and the attitudes of the possibility focus combined and tracking where you are on that spending spectrum that helps you to get to that spending sweet spot right in the middle where you're going to be able to make a lot more money and actually keep it. So are there specific things we should or shouldn't be saying to our kids? I feel like there's two there's two directions. The first direction is how I present my own money issues to my children, like things I say no, we can't buy that. Is it because we don't have the money because it's not in the budget? Like, how do we word that? And I feel like the other question I have that's connected, I don't know if maybe answering them separate or together will make sense, is things like implementing an allowance and how we approach that with them so they actually get that hands-on. Yeah, so this goes back to the brain. Uh, And so we, we had talked about the reticulating activator system. And with the reticulating activator system, there are three ways that we can break through that reticulating activator system. The first being mortal peril. We put ourselves in danger. You're driving along the highway and somebody comes in and cuts you off. You wake up and you notice it even though your brain was on autopilot, right? So we can break through the reticulating activator system that way. The second way that we can break through it is novelty. And this is where, you know, marketing gets us. That's why you'll see, you know, somebody in, you know, one of the feather hats from Las Vegas on the beach in an ad, right? It's, it's that novelty. It's something different. It's something that captures our attention and makes it so that we can break through. And the third way is strong emotion. You additionally can use repetition of these things in order to make it so that you can break through the brain. And so if we want to have our kids have healthy relationships with money, we want to start thinking experientially. And this kind of will answer both of your questions. So when it comes to learning, we absorb about 10% of what we're told. So if you sit in a class and you listen to somebody talk to you and talk to you and talk to you, going to absorb very little of it. If you visually see it, if they have slides and they have pretty pictures, you're going to retain about 25% of it. 
However, if you have an experiential hands-on experience that helps you to understand it, you're going to absorb about 75 to 90% of it. So you can massively increase your kid's ability to absorb these concepts if you will start thinking experientially. How can I give my kids the experiences that will help them to, to be able to do what they want? So Meg, you had mentioned that you want for your kids to be able to live a wealthy life, whatever that looks like for them. So if we want to start thinking experientially on how do we help your kids to understand what does wealth look like, right? You can do things like visualizations with them. This also can be things like taking your kids on trips and saying, okay, these are the reasons why you want to be wealthy. You want to be wealthy so that you can live this life and help them to understand it through experience, not through us talking about at them about how they need to have an abundance and positivity mindset, right? Nobody, no kid is particularly interested in hearing their, their parents just talk over and over and over about, I want you to grow up and go to college and, and have a good job so that you can have a good life, right? That means nothing to them. You present them with an experience that helps them to see, A, that they're capable of it, B, that they don't want the alternative, and C, that they have a clear vision of what they actually want, and they're going to be able to create that for themselves. The biggest problem that I've seen with all of the different parents that I've worked with, they, they say, well, I want my kids to not, not have the attitude of, well, we don't have the money. And yes, those parents can stop saying that. But if their actions say that we don't have the money, then it doesn't matter how many life lessons they sit and talk to them about or how many people they show them that have had a different life experience. None of that matters if they, unless they can get that kid to have that experience themselves. So thinking in object lessons and experiential lessons is incredibly important. I'm wondering how you can take that advice and implement it if you're on the opposite side of the spectrum. So even if I like took a step back a couple of years when we were at our lowest of the lows, you know, when I had to stop working at 22 weeks pregnant, we ended up on food stamps, the whole nine. I mean, I know what we did. I'm resourceful. (laughs) But what's the advice for people who are in those situations where they, they want their kids to be wealthy, but they just can't take a week to bring the kids on vacation? Absolutely. Okay. So that's a really great question. Here's the thing is, is it goes back to that question that I asked earlier of what is it that you do want for your kids? So as I've worked with different people, there have been a variety of different beliefs that I've seen show up over and over and over. And there's questions about personal worth, about being worthy of the money. There are a lot of doubts about their ability to break out of cycles. And so what I've done is I've sat down and I've written out, okay, so here are the different beliefs that I've seen people have that I do not want my kids to have. And then in the other, I draw a line and then in a second column, I write out the opposite of that. Okay. So I don't want my kids to have the belief that they're not worthy of money. I don't want my kids to have the belief that it takes a long time and they have to work hard for money. I don't want my kids to have a belief that they're poor and that they can't fix their situation. So what is it that I want instead? I want my kids to believe that they're worthy of money. I want my kids to believe that they can create money quickly. I want my kids to believe that they are capable of wealth. 
right? And so getting clear on what it is that you want them to believe is important first. The next thing is start to look for opportunities to teach them those lessons and and look for genuine ones. You don't have to fake it. So my daughter ended up spilling nail polish all over our carpet. And there was this bright red nail polish all over our carpet. And so there's some different opportunities for lessons there. First off, I want her to know that if you ruin something, you pay for it. And I also want her to know that her parents love her and are going to give her some grace. So we're not going to make her pay for a whole brand new carpet at five years old. And we know that she's capable of creating more money than she thinks that she possibly could. And so we told her, we want you to create $100. So, you know, this carpet, it'll cost us $300 to replace. So we want you to come up with $100. That's a crazy thing to ask of a five-year-old. And what would it mean to her brain if she's able to see that as a five-year-old, absolutely, I can create that money. So what we've done is we created a website for her that we've shared with friends and family of different types of jobs that she can do to help people so that she can earn money. There's a very specific reason that I've done this first off so that she can see that there's a variety of of ways and places she can create income. So she she can look and she can see that that there's money all around her. And if she offers the right thing to the right person, she can get money for that. And that's an important, important belief that I want my child to have. I also want my child to know that she can create money faster than than she thinks she can. So what we've done is we've gone on Craigslist and we found free furniture. And so we've been restoring this furniture so that we can then sell that furniture. So she's, what her experience is, you know, oh, I'm making $5 here. I'm making, you know, 50 cents here a little bit at a time. Once she's made some of that money and she's seen how slow it's going, then at that point, we will be selling, you know, this dresser that we're refurbishing on Craigslist. We're going to be selling it so that she can see that she can get a huge chunk of that money really fast. And so she can start to adopt these experiences. She can get these experiences under her belt that help her to see and understand, you know what? I can create a lot of money and I can create it quickly. I just have to do the the right things. It might be more work. It might take longer to do the things that are of value. And I can make a lot more money a lot faster than I ever thought was possible. So a hundred bucks as a five-year-old, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And just think about what having that experience will do for her 20 years from now. And she's 25 and she knows, okay, this concept from the dresser, it still applies today. So yeah, there's that, that I've done personally. Um, I love that example. I think I, I think I recall seeing the nail polish stain on Facebook. Yeah. So what? What kind of tasks is she doing for other people? I, I have not been to her website, so I must have missed that yeah. link. I'm positive if I saw the link, I would have clicked on it. <laughs> what she's doing for other people. And then I assume that your friends and family are paying her. So she's got stuff listed. Can you break that down a little bit? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So what I did is I sat down with her and we talked about the different reasons people give you money. We talked about fundraisers and that that is not an option for this, that she's getting, you know, $200 of fundraising from mom and dad. We talked about products and we talked about services. And so we sat down and we talked about, okay, so people will give you money in exchange 
for, for these two things, either products or services. And so what we want to do is, is come up with, we sat down and we came up with a list of what are different products you could sell. And we talked about a bake sale. We talked about um, all of these different, she could create art and she could sell art. So we've created you know this big long list of products that she would be interested in selling. And then we sat down and we wrote out a list of services that she could do with some help. And so I, I've told her, I will help you. You are not in this alone. And that's another important message to have for your kids is they're not in this alone. So we talked about all of the different things that she could do. So on her website, we have a lot of different things listed. So far she's done, you know, like frosting cupcakes. She's done washing windows. She's done helping with laundry at, at you know, grant, the granny and grandpa's house, that sort of thing. Okay. So we come up with these lists of different services and we put those out to friends and family and let them know, okay, so it's 50 cents a window or a dozen for $5, that sort of thing, so that she can see how much money she actually is going to be creating every time anybody places an order or anything like that. And then additionally, we're putting up another page on her, her website that shows you know different art pieces of artwork that she's done or this dresser that we're doing together. These uh, physical products, you know, we're putting those out there so that she can, um, she can experience entrepreneurship as a young child and see what's possible. I love it. I love so much stuff about that. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, you know, one of the things is just that I just wanted to point out is when she spilled that on the carpet, I was so chill about it. I saw red nail polish all over the carpet and our mom instincts might be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? But I saw this on the carpet and I took a second to breathe and then I went, no, this is really exciting because I get to teach her so many valuable money mindset lessons right now. But if the people who work with me had been given as children, they wouldn't need to work with me. What influenced you to take this approach or take this path in your life? I don't know the best way for you to answer that question. <laughs> so it really began a few years ago when I was really starting business. I was starting business because I wanted to be able to have fake eyelashes. I wanted to be able to pay, have a few hundred extra dollars a month for, for pampering myself. And we just didn't have it in the bank account. And so I ended up beginning pursuing business. And I had an opportunity where I got to learn about manifesting. And I have a very different approach to manifesting now than I did at that point. I took a very literal view with manifesting. I did my visualizations morning and night. I turned it over to the universe. I didn't worry about how it was going to happen. I did all of the typical law of attraction things with this experience. And it worked. I was able to create, you know, $7,000 in 10 days. And that was something that was unheard of. Actually, we created $13,000 in 10 days. And so that was something, you know, 10 days before I had literally gone to bed crying that night because the, I wanted to go to this retreat, this business retreat, and there was no way for me to, to financially do it. And so my husband, he just said, I'm sorry, there's just no way we can do it. And then over the course of the next 10 days, our finances completely turned around. And so that was the thing that really piqued my interest and got me really focused on financial mindset and what's possible when we change our attitude about money. But it, it really goes back to when I was a kid. My family 
we were not wealthy. We actually lived in a town so tiny that they don't count it on the census. They count the next town over that has 200 some odd people. That just tells you how tiny this town was. And so I grew up in a very, very poor, poor, poor family. And I ended up marrying my husband who did not come from a poor family by any stretch of the imagination. And I saw the things that they were able to experience and I saw their approach to life and I saw the way that they handled everything. And I began to recognize that my attitude towards money, it determines my happiness. It determines my success. It determines my life. And if I'm going to look at something like you know a carpet being ruined as the end of the world, well, then I'm going to carry that same attitude and pattern with me in every other area of my life. And I'm not willing to live my life that way. So for me, money is just a springboard for me being able to play out the patterns in the other areas of my life so I can be happy. Well, I love it. I love how much you talked about the brain. And I am not going to remember what that little piece is at the back of your skull. Like it was three words. Um, Articulating activator system. (laughs) But you can just call it the RADS. Okay, the RADS. I I think I could get that. (laughs) I love that because I feel like that's been the part that's really drawn me into some of the spiritual things is learning the science behind it. You know, because I am very logical. So I think moving to the Phoenix area has also helped. I mean, I'm from New York where things are very logical, you know, and coming here, being exposed to so many more spiritual beings, it seems, I don't know, fluffy, like fake. And it weird. does. And <laughs> learning the science behind it, I don't know, for somebody coming from th- that other environment was just like, oh, that's why it worked. And then yeah. you fall into finding your place in that spectrum. Yes, absolutely. And I actually grew up in Maine. So I get you with that East Coast sensibility. There's no nonsense. And I think that that, I feel like I'm able to translate the science with the woo, right? Because I I do understand both sides of it. I tend to be more sciencey just because of my life experience. I used to be very, very spiritual, very religious. And then I went through, you know, these, these adult progression steps, they happen with people religiously as well, oftentimes. And so that happened for me. And so I moved through a stage of life where I was extremely science-based. Everything had to be proven by science. And so because I understand the spiritual and I understand the science mindset and attitude and approach, I had to reconcile both of those. And that's why I don't buy into any spiritual idea or practice unless there's actually a scientific approach or, or explanation for it. And so, you know, that's, that was really my catalyst for, for this was saying, you know what, I had this experience with manifesting. I know it works and I need to know why it works. I need to know why the brain makes it happen. And so I've gone out to study that. Awesome. Well, I am so appreciative for you bringing it all to me today. Even though you put me on the spot, it was helpful. It was cool to get some of that feedback. I'd love for you to share where people can learn more about you, find out more about working with you and other resources that you offer. Absolutely. So you can go to bethgriffith.me. Uh, just make sure it's the dot me to be able to find out about working with me, to find about me. 
I also have a Facebook group called Financially Independent Nation. So you can find me there and we talk all about money mindset in there all the time. So and of course, I'll put all those links in the show notes so people can just jet over there and get those quickly and easily. But Absolutely. thank you again for joining for joining me. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You'll find all of the links mentioned and this week's show notes at megbrenson.com slash 55. Last week, we welcomed Marta Spurk to the show. She is a triplet mom, a health and success coach, and the host of the Mom Does It All podcast. She was born in Brazil and lived there her whole life until marrying an American and moving to the U.S. She has a background in teaching, translating, and tutoring, and is now helping moms prioritize their physical and mental health, as well as grow their business stress-free by following their passions and joy. Don't miss that episode. Go back and give it a listen if you haven't already yet. Next week, I'm going to welcome Katia Hale, the founder and CEO of Katia's VA Solutions, to Familypreneur's Midweek Mastermind. She is an administrative systems strategist and often is referred to as an operations goddess by her clients. She specializes in creating, implementing, and managing administrative systems that help streamline businesses, allowing them to operate both effectively and efficiently. When Katia is not managing her clients, you can most likely find her playing maid, referee, and cook to her children. It's no wonder systems, procedures, checklists, and deadlines are her happy place when you learn that her kiddos are two, three, four, five, and eight. And just wait until you hear her amazing story of hope after homelessness. This week, we are also debuting our new Family Friday and Marketing Monday episodes, which I hope you'll enjoy between now and then. Definitely reach out and let me know what you think. I'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Don't miss my mom's next episode. Bye.